0: Father, we just thank you, Lord God, uh, for your word. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the body of Christ, Lord. We thank you that we just can come together and uh, just open up your word and encourage one another and exhort one another and seek you, Lord God. And, And Lord, we just seek you this evening. We hunger and thirst for you. We want all of you, Lord. And we want... Uh, every bit of your word, Lord God, in our lives that, uh, for our edification to build, us, to build us up and to just to speak prophetically into our lives, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Chapter 25, verse 1. It says, Then Samuel died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. So here, uh, Samuel dies. And and if uh, he, although this is just one verse, I, I just really think it's a really significant one. I mean, uh, David at this time in his life, we're well into... Uh, the wilderness experience in, in his life. Uh, and he, uh, at this, up to this point in his life, no matter what happened, he always knew that someone would be there uh, to give him counsel, and that person would be Samuel. Just a mighty man of God, a fearless integrity, Samuel. And so, can you imagine uh, having someone like Samuel to go get counsel from? Well, that's David had him. And uh, that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing if that person becomes a substitute in your life for for God. But you can only imagine uh, David at this point. Uh, he, uh, If you've been with us during the study, he had been a, a, a shepherd after God's heart, and he was alone, but he was raised up, and he had sitting at the king's tables, married to the king's daughter. He was the commander of a large battalion, and all of a sudden, his entire life, is turned upside down with Saul the king turning against them out of jealousy, and Saul uh, pursues him, wipes out an entire uh, city looking for him, the city of Nob, and then he, uh, David uh, runs and he lives in a cave uh, in south-central uh, Israel in a place called Adullam, and He's living there, and then he flees the cave, and he goes to the border of where the Philistines are, and he saves a town called Kyla, and who has been sort of ravaged by the Philistine people. And those people, uh, far from sort of supporting the person, people, the guy who saved their life, uh, threatened to turn him over to Saul, and so he flees there, and he goes somewhere called the wilderness of Ziph, and uh, the Ziphites ratted on him, so he had to leave there, and he went to a place called the wilderness of Maon, and there the people rat on him, and he goes into the wilderness of En-Gedi, and it just says that Saul was uh, uh, pursuing him every day, and we talked about how last week that that's really Saul there, a type of Satan, uh, and David a type of believer, with that daily relentless attack uh, by the enemy. And he goes into this cave and David has, Saul goes into the cave to, uh, to relieve himself. He doesn't realize that David and his men are in there. Uh, David could have killed him. Uh, he doesn't. And uh, uh, Saul temporar- temporarily repents. There was a worldly repented uh, repentance. Lots of elephant tears, but no real change of heart. And so David stays on the run. He knows that uh, Saul's a rat. And, or a snake, uh, and he—he—in he, what happens just in the midst of this really agonizing time of his life, just truly agonizing, living out in, uh, in the midst of rocks and with barely enough food to survive and not knowing about his future, very confused, not understanding why all this is happening. He had done nothing but live a righteous life, and he's thinking to himself, uh, why is this happening? I serve the Lord. Is this what I get, serving the Lord? And so many times we'll find ourselves in a place like that. And so then what happens? Samuel dies. So the one man in his life who was a source of wisdom, who was, uh, could be a source of comfort, he, he is taken away from him. And so just an incredibly difficult season in the life of uh, David here. And this is where you'll find your life from from time to time. God will strip everything away from you, uh, and the only thing uh, left is God. So Samuel dies. And sort of, I think, uh, in a way of Isaiah chapter 6, where it says, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And King Uzziah was a wonderful king in Israel. He had ruled for 50 years and and people just got so used to this king, they, they, uh, they, they stopped really getting visions from the Lord. And so he dies, he's off the, off the scene, and now there's a fresh vision from God. And so this is just an, a, a time in, in David's life where now he, he no longer can he lean on the crutch of Samuel. He's got to lean only on God. And so uh, let's pick up in verse 2. It says, There was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your sheep were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please, give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So, David has basically been taking care of this guy's sheep in Carmel, and uh, goes to Nabal and says, Look, we're hungry. Can you give us a few of your sheep to eat? That's what's going on here. And then it says, So, When uh, David's young men, verse 9, so when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him in all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. In other words, prepare to kill all these people, basically is what he's saying. And so every man girded his sword and David also girded on his sword and and about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. In other words, uh, Nabal insulted them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both the night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. In other words, again they were keeping David was protecting these sheep what was Saul doing and normally the purpose of government is your—you know if a neighboring army comes across the border and, and starts raiding your people and stealing their sheep and cows or whatever the, the, the army, your government's army will come to you but Saul was too busy chasing David so you see David uh, protecting uh, the people he protects Nabal's uh, uh, sheep here remember the Kilo is the same thing Uh, Kila on the uh, border with uh, Philistine uh, Philistia, uh, the Philistines would come in and take all their harvest once it was harvested, and and they would do all this work with uh, uh, you know sowing the seed, watering it, growing it up, and then they'd harvest it, and the Philistines would come. Saul was too busy chasing David, so David had to save them, and so there's this uh, uh, informal arrangement where. Uh, almost like a paramilitary group where they're uh, taking care of uh, uh, the different farmers and people like that. And, and in return, they would give them uh, something to eat. But Nabal says, take a hike, man. I don't know who you are. Uh, basically insults him. Doesn't recognize the anointing on David's life. And then it says uh, there in verse 17, they're speaking to Nab- uh, to, to Abigail now. This is the people, the servants of Nabal, who had overheard him revile David. They run to Abigail, and they say, Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill, and there there were David and his men coming down toward her. So they were coming down to basically wipe out Nabal's house. And so uh, it says, And she met them. Verse 21, Now David said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for, for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to, uh, to him by morning light. So, As we discussed last week, David had just had probably one of the greatest victories in his life. Uh, He had Saul, who had been relentlessly pursuing David's life in a dark cave, and it would have been the easiest thing in the world to do to kill him. But he had heard the voice of the Lord in that cave say, Now, David, don't you kill Saul. He's your king. Uh, A subject does not kill his king. I will remove him in my time. Don't you do it in your time. Uh, However many good arguments you may think there are for doing so. And so David obeyed the voice of the Lord. And by doing so, he had a victory that was far greater, as we said, than defeating Goliath. I mean, Goliath uh, was an eight-foot giant who had a, a spear the size of a weaver's beam. Uh, and he was a gigantic man, but let me tell you, uh, the Word of God says uh, that the flesh and blood is nothing compared to the power of the lust of our flesh. Which we're crying out to David, saying, "Kill him! He's your enemy." So Saul, you know, speaking of uh, you know his flesh crying out to him, where he has Saul right in front of him in a dark cave. Saul doesn't even know he's there. He can kill him in an instant. So his flesh is. Uh, crying out, you know, kill him, he's your enemy, kill him, think how much he's humiliated you, kill him, think about how easy your life will be, you'll be able to go back to your wife, uh, uh, to your wife, and and the the palace, and uh, the king's palace, and you, in fact, you will become king, and and, uh, avenge all the wrongs that Saul has done to you, Uh, but David's greatest victory was saying no to all those voices, and so... I'm convinced when he relented that day, when he put to death the, the lust of his flesh, I'm convinced that all the power of God uh, came at his disposal and uh, as it will be to you if, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you say no to all those voices, those lusts of your flesh, and you decide to follow God uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And, and just go out and do the will of God How doesn't matter how terribly hard it may appear to you I mean David had been, going, been in the wilderness now probably for a few years and he just wanted it to end but, but that was God's will for him for that moment so if it's God's will for you for uh, a season of years to be in the wilderness it's not for you or me to, to get out of it by, uh, in the power of our own uh, flesh so in any event, David, coming off his greatest victory ever, uh, he meets up with this uh, uh, horrible excuse for a human being, Nabal, and, and so in the subtlest way, Satan comes in to try to to ruin David's uh, reputation, really forever, and and, and he and, and so just with this little uh, this this little fiery dart to his to his pride. Uh, David almost commits just one of the most, uh, just a horrific act of, of, of violence and, and murder. And so this is how Satan works. He, he will rise up quickly and attack and tempt you uh, right after a major victory in your life. And so we need to watch out for just the subtle attacks uh, of, of Satan after God has done something great in, in your life or the life of your church, uh, that, and, and be careful that he doesn't bring you down uh, then. Now, you would think that maybe Satan would give up after we've experienced a victory, but nothing could be further from the truth. Why? Because that's when pride comes in. Uh, pr- our pride, listen, if you're writing notes, write this down. Our pride is Satan's greatest opportunity opportunity. And and so he'll let, you know, uh, he'll let you prosper, prosper a little more, prosper a little more, 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 and then, and with every prosperity, what so often time happens, people will, people will leave the Lord and they'll open up to the prosperity and that pride will just rip open uh, an opening into their spiritual life and then Satan uh, will come in with a big, fat, wide temptation and, and to, 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 to really uh, bludgeon uh, your walk and, and your reputation. So David survives the monster of Saul only to have this squeaky little runt, obnoxious mouse of a man, uh, Nabal, uh, to almost bring him down. And, and so how often that we've seen this in our life and in the life of the people in the Bible. Elijah, he has this tremendous victory against the 400 prophets of Baal. Uh, and then this... Uh, And then the day after, just bringing fire down from heaven by by, by calling down uh, uh, on these, uh, calling down uh, with the Lord and his power on on the the altar there, Elijah. Uh, And then all the false prophets are all wiped out. The next day, Jezebel uh, threatens his life and he, he runs for 40 days and 40 nights into the desert. And I think of Peter, when Peter, you know, Jesus is get, an Apostle Peter, when uh, Jesus is getting arrested, he whips out his sword and he, he you know, is willing to take on a, a whole legion of Roman soldiers and temple guards. And uh, But yet, uh, on that very same night, this little girl comes up to him and says, Hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, No, no, no. And starts, you know, cursing and all kinds of other stuff. And so, uh, right so often after a victory... Uh, Satan will uh, come uh, Satan will come in. and so uh, it says there in let me see it says that Nabal, this guy Nabal. Let me back up just a little. Let's go to. Let me see here. It says in verse 25, just skip over a couple verses from verse 22, and and this this is Abigail as she begins to plead. It says, Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. And so, Nabal means fool. And now, who is a fool? A fool is someone who uh, says in his heart, there is no God, Psalm 14, verse 1. And Nabal lived like that. He lived as if there was no God. Uh, and, And now, amazingly, his wife was precisely the opposite. Uh, She was lovely inside. She was lovely on the outside, but she was lovely inside. And and I think today of, of just the pressure on women to be externally beautiful you know i i, I got to tell you no offense to any of you women who have been in a beauty contest, but I, I just tell you they just make me throw up i, I, I you know it 's like putting these women in bikinis on a pedestal it 's like is this how we value these women I, I I mean just for for their body and of course now we 're modern they ask them stuff like you know so what do you want to do with your life? oh, I want to help kids with AIDS oh you know and, and they use that as a justification to have them win and 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 but just the advertisements the the the, the, and young girls are brought up and, and taught that this is how you obtain value in the world. And, and so, um, you know, women pursue this type of, uh, 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 of thing. And meanwhile, the character of the women... Is uh, is going down uh, the tube. The Bible says in Psalm, uh, Proverbs thirty one: Beauty is fleeting, charm is deceitful, but a woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised. She is to be praised. And I want to speak about Abigail for a while now, because here is a woman who really feared the Lord, and and here is a woman with with character. You know, I, I'm just so glad I I, I married a woman who fears the Lord, who has a love and respect for the living God, who prays, who reads the word, who embraces the the body of, uh, of Christ. Now, I think I got the best of all worlds because like a- Abigail, she's also beautiful on the outside. But let me tell you, uh, external beauty does pass away. And, and, and so men, what you really, really want uh, is a woman who fears the Lord because let me tell you, the trials of life become overwhelming at times and you want a woman by you uh, who fears the Lord? And, and you want a, a woman in the midst of tre- tremendous calamity who doesn't all of a sudden give into fear or give into her flesh or start freaking out? You want a woman who turns to God. And I tell you, this woman, Abigail, uh, she she's a marvelous picture um, of a God fearing woman. And so in verse 10 again, Nabal answers David's servant and he says, who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who, who you know, who, who break away from their masters. And he basically doesn't recognize the anointing on, on David's life. And that says, again, in verse 12 and 13, it says that David's uh, young men, it says they turned on their heels, meaning they just uh, ran away from Nabal and, and they went and told David this and... Uh, and then it says, in, uh, over in, in verse 17, it says, Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for a man is determined against our master and against all his household. So again, they're talking, uh, the servants of Nabal are talking to, uh, to Abigail. And then it says in verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep, and a whole bunch of other uh, things that uh, are going to make a very, uh, uh, a very angry man and soothe his anger. And then it says uh, in verse 22, again, David, uh, it says, May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to this man, Nabal, by morning light. So you may be, when I first read this, I'm thinking, this is what, David? David is speaking these words? And, and, and you know, listen, the Bible says that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In fact, anger causes temporary insanity. Insanity. Anger will make take you places that you never dreamed of going. Anger will make you do things that you never dreamed of doing. And you know, I, I think of of road rage and, and you know perfectly supposedly normal people just whipping out a gun because someone you know cuts them off or 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 someone you know flips them off and, and all of a sudden they, they start using their vehicle. As a weapon and, and, and so, but this is what anger does and, and and anger will make you do things that will feel will make you things you 'll regret for the rest of your life. I, I remember you know growing up, and I just had a terrible, terrible anger problem I, it was It was basically my banner and and, and I remember just some of the things that I said to my younger brother, just in fits of rage. It's like try to figure out the cruelest thing that I could say, and I, w- I would say them to him. And, and, and just just for years, the guilt that I had, not to mention the wounds that I inflicted, and and just and how many marriages uh, take years to repair because of the cruel words said in a fit of uh, uh, of anger. And and, and you know. This is what David is doing here. You know, Galatians 5.20 says this, the works of the flesh are evident. I like what the NIV says, the works of the flesh are obvious. It's like, you know, we don't have to like sit around and and wonder what the works of the flesh are. They're obvious. It says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, and then it says outbursts of wrath, fits of rage. Let me tell you, when you fly into a fit of rage, that is your flesh And that needs to be put to death. And David killing off Nabal and all the men of his household. I mean, that's like killing a mosquito with a shotgun. I mean, it was a meaningless thing to do. It was ridiculous. But brothers and sisters, this is where anger will take you. And so uh, anyway, the servants of, of Nabal, they go to Abigail. And they say, hey, listen, Abigail, you know, this is what's going on. Now it does leave Abigail in a very interesting position. I mean, hey david 's going to kill off this worthless excuse of a husband. I kind of like that i 'm just going to sit back and uh and watch it happen or whatever because- no- notice that you know she when when she talks to david i mean she says she calls him a scoundrel and she calls him a fool and 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 you know many marriages do get to the place where Women are, are so mistreated they, they just want to kill off their husband. domestic violence this happens all the time or, 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 or vice versa and and uh, she she is in an interesting position here, but rather, what does she do? She covers his back she covers the back of this good for nothing worthless, mean, foolish, godless husband and And what does she do look at she runs to David. And she says this. She says, in verse 23, Abigail saw David. She dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. In verse 24, So she fell on on his feet and said, Oh, on me, my Lord. On me, let this iniquity be. So here you have this this woman, and she covers his back. And so wives, take note. (laughs) This is marriage 101. You know, you may think you have a horrible spouse, and maybe he is. Maybe he is a but But a godly woman thinks of ways to cover her husband's back, to make up for his weaknesses. That's what she's doing here. She's making up for his weakness. She's being strong when he is weak. She's, uh, you know, and and a woman may say, well, how many times do I have to do this for my dirtbag husband? You know, well, as many times as the Lord has done it for you. And when the Lord stops doing the same thing for you, you can stop doing it for your uh, for your dirtbag husband. Yeah, and so, but anyway, she, so she's thinking of ways to cover his back, to make up for his weaknesses, and, and to be strong where he was weak. And it, it gets so easy uh, if you're in a marriage, just to, to not, serve, in a marriage where there's abuse uh, or emotional or otherwise, and, and just let your husband become the victim of his own folly. But that's not the love of Christ. That's not the love of Christ. That's not an example of a, how a, a godly woman uh, treats her husband. Again, what does it say? She says to David, let this iniquity fall on me. Wow. I mean, if anyone ever deserved to have iniquity fall on them, it was Nabal. And, and, and so uh, this uh, woman... Uh, Abigail, she knows how to, to deal with an angry, hungry man. It was roasted lamb chops, baby. Uh, that will soothe the soul of any man. And, and she, shows, she shows up with that. And, uh, and, uh, and then she says in, in verse 25, Please let not my, my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, listen carefully for the next few verses. This is great. Since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. So she's offering him food. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant for the Lord will certainly make uh, for my lord an enduring house because my lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your dark throughout your day so what is she doing she's reminding david of the tremendous bounty that has been given to him and saying and and what is she doing she's saying you've been given so much david and between the lines this is what she's saying She's saying, now you don't want to go ruin. And you don't want to put a jeopardy. All the Lord has given you by going out and doing this wacky thing. That's what she's saying. She's reminding him of how blessed he is. Let me tell you, this is what the Holy Spirit will do when you're on the verge of doing something really stupid as a result of the anger. If you have a fresh devotion life with the Lord... The Holy Spirit will come in right at that moment. You're about to burst and say, wait a second, Steve. Look at everything the Lord is giving you. Are you going to blow it because your pride has just been had a dart sunk into it? Are you going to do that? And, and, and so Abigail, a type of the Holy Spirit here, uh, coming in and, and just reminding David, and just the, I just love her boldness. I just love the boldness I see in the Bible when men and women of God just go up and speak truth in very, very tough situations. And, and so uh, she says that uh, in verse 29, Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. So referring to Saul, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lies of your enemies. He shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. You guys pay attention to what is going on because this is what the Holy Spirit does. She's saying this is what the Lord is doing with your life. He's going to eliminate your enemy Saul and he's going to appoint you as ruler over Israel. And this is what God will do for you. The Holy Spirit will do for you when you're in the midst of temptation. He will remind you of the promises of God. That that, that God wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. He wants to, to put you in high place. He, he, he wants to use you. Are you going to blow all that because of this silly, stupid thing in front of you, this person insulting you or whatever? Or are you going to walk away and allow God to be who he wants to be in your life? That's what Abigail is doing, the type of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Old Testament filled with types that we see in the New Testament here. And so... Uh, it says in verse 31 that this will be of no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. So she she, she points out here that if you go wipe out this, this, uh, this whole household, you'll be shedding blood without cause. It says, but when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. And then David, what does he say in verse 32? He said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to me, surely by morning light no males would have uh, been left to Nabal. And so... He he recognizes the voice of the Lord. He he recognizes that this woman was being used by God to to prevent him from basically bludgeoning what the Lord wanted to do in his life and ruining his reputation and and, and sinning. And so this woman, I tell you, I gotta tell you, she had it together. She had it together. Uh, you know, men, this is the kind of woman you want to marry. Nothing wrong with wanting an attractive wife. Every once in a while, some a guy will ask me that. You know, is it like sin to want to marry a pretty? Do, do I have to want to marry? Should I, if I'm really spiritual, should I want to marry someone ugly? And you know, you, you hear you hear questions like this. Of course, uh, it's not. Uh, there's nothing wrong at all with wanting an attractive wife. But the cry of your soul should be for a woman like this, who 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 says this, even about a husband like this, on me, let this iniquity fall. So Nabal, this drunken, arrogant, ungodly fool, she says, on me, let this uh, iniquity fall. And so, uh, uh, one of the things that I find is, is really, really something we should take from this is that it's obvious that what she presents to David has been well thought out. I mean, she sought the Lord. She has... This is a carefully thought out... Uh, thought out words that she presents to David. And And you know something? When you're dealing with an angry person, don't speak sort of shooting from the hip. Don't speak sort of whatever comes to your mind. You wait. You wait. And you... Uh, you know, retire to uh, a place, a quiet place, and think, now really, what does the Lord want me to say in this situation? I promise you, it will always be leading with humility, because that humility always disperses anger. It it makes anger flee. And, 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 And so, you know, uh, you, in marriage, this is so important. If I know that my wife, Stephanie, if she's anger, angry about something, I'll do everything I can to die to my flesh and just uh, keep it to another time addressing the situation. Because, or my boss, or whoever, uh, people in the church, it's not worth uh, talking with something, uh, someone sort of shooting from the hips when they are filled with anger. But here, uh, she's obviously taken some time to, to carefully think out uh, what she uh, wants to say. Also notice she asks for permission to speak. In verse 24, it says, please let your maidservant speak in your ears. You know, if, so, if you don't get someone's permission to speak to you, they're not going to receive anything you have to say. And, and so many times we find ourselves giving people unwanted advice that they, they're not even interested in receiving. How important it is for us to ask permission to speak truth into someone's life. Hey, if they don't want it, you know, don't give it. And so uh, she, she just, again, she, she gives David the truth, you know, don't let the murder of this fool diminish the glory of God's calling on your life. And so Satan, you know, he probably, what Satan does so often time, he won't keep you from your calling, but he will diminish your reputation and the effectiveness of your calling. That's what Satan will try to do uh, in your life. And so David recognizes that he was kept from sinning and here's why david is is really truly a great man i mean his ability to hear and receive godly counsel you know he could have said remember this is three thousand years ago oh this is a woman talking to me you know remember women at that time they were just chattels they were pieces of property you know what's this woman trying to tell me you know these things and so but no he recognizes the voice of the lord so that's why it's just so, oh, so important that we stay close to the Lord, that we stay in his word in prayer, embracing the body of Christ, so that when God speaks, we're listening. And, 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 and so he hears and he relents. And then in verse 35, it says, So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person.'" Now, Abigail uh, went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. Again, wisdom. She picks the right time to, to talk with him. He's drunk. What's going to happen? She's going to fall into a, a fit of rage. So, she, she, uh, she waits to the morning. Verse 37, So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became like a stone. So he had a heart attack, and he died when he found out that his wife had gone out and given David and these 400 men food from his bounty. Then it happened, um, verse 38, Then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. So, God will repay. You know, vengeance is the Lord. And then we need to wait on the Lord. And, and just even as the Lord eventually took away Saul, which David could have taken care of Saul, he takes away uh, Nabal here when David had the opportunity uh, to do uh, that. And so, uh, you know, the world knows how to push our buttons, and you're going to get mad. And, but with every angry situation that you get in, uh, the Holy Spirit provides a way for escape. First Corinthians 10.13, uh, you all are familiar with it. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with a temptation will make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So God will come to us in the midst of our anger, in the midst of really any temptation, and he will show us the tremendous bounty, the tremendous blessing that he has, has in our life, but also he will point to everything that God has for us in our future and say, why? Why do you want to ruin it all? Just by for a temporary high of, of obeying the lusts of your flesh. Why um, would you uh, do that? And so... Um, then it, it, it just finishes out here. It says that, uh, verse 39, nine, so when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal in his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David, send us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So, so Abigail rose uh, in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And then it says, David also took Ahonam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Meshal to his daughter David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laosh, who was from Galam. And that's going to become its own little soap opera at a later time, and we will get to that at a later time. But what uh, I think, I'm just really, really enjoying going through the life of David and how, uh, you know, David, again, a type of New Testament born again believer. And uh, this is how God will deal with you in your life. He will keep you out. And, the wilderness sometime in the order of years and and he will just refine you as with fire he will teach you how to get through temptation he will be faithful to uh to to his promise that you need not live by sight but you'll live by faith and and he will be faithful to that and so uh, we'll pick up in chapter 26 next week so, uh, we are going to close now in 10 minutes. If you'd like to return and pray with us, we'll be in groups of uh, the men over here, the women over here, groups of three or four. Uh, tonight, let me see, what, what can we pray for uh, tonight? Scott, what, what's on the prayer list tonight? Well, we'll be praying Memorial Day. Sir. Memorial Day. Holiday. Greg, do you remember? okay the woman's concern we support a pro-life uh, ministry and so let's let's pray for the woman's concern tonight yeah that family, mission Hill. yeah and the family in mission Hill that just had their their house uh, burned up let's remember uh, them <coughs> okay well God bless you if you if you um, you free feel free to